Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and today's guest is a delightfully positive Tanya Dale. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're even available on Amazon Podcasts which means you can ask Alexa to play the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Tanya's true story about making stuff up. And please welcome this week's guest. It's Tanya. Welcome, Tanya. Hello, hello. So happy to be here. Uh, well, it's great to have you on the show. You're someone I've only encountered a few times on the Wednesday night LCI online drop-in sessions. So I am really excited to get to know you a little, find out your improv journey, and find out ultimately what led you to Liverpool Comedy Improv. Well, yes, yes. Ask any questions. Um, <laughs> I can't promise I'm going to answer them eloquently, but I will try. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, something that stands out to me straight away is that accent that is not a, a local accent by any means. So let, let's talk about where you're from, first of all. Well, I'm from Bulgaria. I was born in Bulgaria. Um, and so I moved to the UK in 2007. Um, and I had a very interesting journey, by the way. I love living here. Um, I, I have had so much to celebrate um, in the last 10 years. And so, yeah, definitely fed my creativity, my desire to be more involved with art. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think it was really beneficial. I don't think I would have done half of the things I've done if I lived in Bulgaria. Wow. So what was it that actually ended up bringing you over to the UK? So um, I was awarded a scholarship and I could study at any university in Europe. Uh, But I only speak Russian and English and I didn't want to go to Russia or a Russian speaking country. And so I decided to come to the UK. And so I came to the UK and then my ex-husband proposed to me. So I was meant to go and study at Oxford, but instead... I ended up in Hull. So, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I know, I know you. In my defense, I was young and stupid. And now I'm only stupid, (laughs) which is no good. (laughs) Uh, But yes, that's the story of me ending up in Beverly near Hull. It's a lovely, lovely place. I'm so very fortunate to be here. I really am. So you, you recently, fairly recently discovered LCI, am I right? Was it August time last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was actually it was July. I remember it was July. July because on my birthday I always challenge myself to do something new. <laughs> and for my 35th, I'm like, you know, let's do, let's reconnect. I've been reconnecting with my creative side. So I thought what would take me so like so out of my comfort zone? Um and ironically, it was a childhood trauma. I've tried improv and drama before okay. in Bulgaria, and it wasn't a great experience. And so I was like, you know what? Let, let's do it. Let's let me challenge myself. And that's how I found the group online. Wow. So, what was it like going into it that that first time online? Were you a bit nervous going into it? Honestly, no, because I knew it was a drop drop in session. <laughs> so I thought if something happens, I can always pretend I can't speak English or never return. <laughs> so I said, like, what's the worst that can happen? But really, I think the first session, what, what I noticed was how authentic it was. Emma is by far someone who influenced my communication style in so many ways because of how authentic and unique we all are and how you know and how we influence each other just by being authentic and speaking with clarity and conviction and humor of course (laughs) um and so I was completely I mean I I remember after the first session I was thinking I want to be Emma I want to be everyone (laughs) I will be back (laughs) yeah it was a great experience 
So how did you actually come across uh, LCI living in Beverly in Hall or just outside Hall? How did you find Liverpool Comedy Improv? I Googled it. I Googled drama classes for adults. <laughs> <laughs> and it came something like a meetup. It came with something to do with exchange students or whatever. And then I was like, oh, that's not for me. Uh, but then something like an ad popped up on a meetup.com website or something. And it said, you can join online. Um, and that's what I did. I had no idea it was offline club. Honestly, I thought it was just friends pretty much like coming together. I had no idea it was that big. Yeah. Um, at all. Yeah. Well, one thing that has really stood out to me in the sessions I've been in with you is how good a handle you have on British humor, you know, being, being Bulgarian, uh, it, it's not always easy to sort of translate the humor to different languages, but you really seem to have, have honed your craft of British humor. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. You know, I love British humor so much. It's dry, slightly sarcastic, it's witty, and I think it's a little bit less predictable than American humor, which I really like. Yeah. Um, and my dad, oh my God, Ian, my dad is so, I mean, he is, if you don't know him, you will be offended. <laughs> I mean, for sure. His sense of humor is so, is such an acquired taste that now and again, I'm thinking I'm laughing, but I don't know how you still have friends. <laughs> <laughs> because his, his humor is very, very dry, uh, but in a sense, it can relate to the English language where, um, you know, you have comedians like Jimmy Carr, for example, who yeah. is not really famous for, you know, holding back. <laughs> and so if I had to position my dad as someone, that would be my dad would be Jimmy Carr, like okay. in a very dark sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you said you got a scholarship to come and study here. What was it that you got the scholarship for? Um, it was anything to do with business. So I did business. Uh, I did a joint degree, business and marketing. And in business, I specialized in um, advertising and also in HR, uh, some of the law as well. Um, and as much as I loved it, and I really do, and my job is in technology, I think even working in technology, solving problems requires a lot of uh, problem solving and problem solving, I believe, comes from creativity. And to fit that creativity within you, you need to, I, I think creativity is something that you need to feed constantly to be able to use it and expand it um, and, and challenge it in many ways. Otherwise, you kind of, you don't really use your whole potential. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is which is weird because the reason why I didn't go to drama school and I was accepted was because my family said that I was going to, I'm like, you have so much potential. You're good at maths, you know, go do maths. You know, you're not into arts and things. And um, yeah, I had a really bad experience with, with a drama teacher. And I remember... I was really good at school. My mom is a primary school teacher. So I, I was like a straight eight student. And she came to me and she said, so you wanted to apply for drama school? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, you know, God gives with, doesn't give with both hands. And you're already a very sm smart girl. <laughs> Meaning, you know, you don't have the face necessarily. Oh, you know, you, you and kind of, you know, it almost made me feel like arts, performing arts, it's not accessible to me. Yeah. Um, but then midlife crisis, hitting 35, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> here I am on camera. <laughs> and you mentioned about having a bad experience with a drama teacher. I myself had a, a bad experience with my high school drama teacher in just that we just clashed, like what I believed drama should be and what he believed drama should be were just completely different mindsets. And it actually kind of turned me away from drama. And I ended up focusing on music for quite a few years uh, before I ended up sort of coming back into anything sort of acting or improv or anything like that. And it, it's it's really interesting the impact that sort of one person can actually have on where your life ends up going. 
No, I agree. But Ian, do you think, and, and this is my experience, um, mind you, my mom's a primary school teacher. So in many ways, I wasn't allowed to challenge the way teachers are and the way the system works. But to me, teachers are, when you're younger, they are your authority, someone who gives you who is meant to give you the encouragement to do it, even if you're not good at it, to just do it. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, looking back now, I'm thinking, knowing what I know now, I'm thinking it should have made me even more determined. Um, but it only proves that if it's in you and you feel that it's right, you chase it, even after 20 years, it's still in you. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's an amazing thing. Yeah, and so you mentioned your mum is a primary school teacher. I'm a primary school teacher, and my mum was a primary school teacher. And as a primary school teacher, something I feel I'm constantly battling is sort of fighting for the arts and the importance of the arts. Because, you know, I would say the majority of the, the teachers that I encounter, they really focus on maths and English and science, because these are things they can test and these are things they can get results for it and they can judge you on these things and they don't quite get that performing arts it's not necessarily something that can be judged the same way as as a maths test it's very you know you make of it what you will and i've been thinking about it a lot recently because there's some changes that are going on in wales right now in education and something i've been thinking about is with maths for example maths if you really work hard on your maths, you can go far with maths, but you can go far down one track. But if you really focus on performing arts, then it actually opens up lots of different tracks to you because you might be very good at maths, but then you'll lack all the other skills, you'll lack the confidence to try other things. But if you get involved in the arts at a young age, then you'll, you'll basically have the confidence to just give anything a go. And that can take you to a, a whole other world that you wouldn't if you were just focused on this one path. Oh, uh, do you know, I absolutely agree. And I would like to share a story, actually. Um, I was born during the communism in Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very strange time. Um, but I still remember it because I remember, so during the communism in Bulgaria, you had to be what your parents were. And so my parents come from a small village and their family comes from a family of farmers. So you had to be a farmer. You couldn't be a farmer and become someone in, in the parliament. You are not allowed to because you are meant to believe. In fact, I read a book um, during that time, one of my mom's books, and it said, you know, you will never be more than the farmer, for example, but you, your contribution to society would be to look after the really important people in society. And so I remember them coming with papers in my school. So you had to do these tests. And for people like me who don't come from a rich family, you, you were rewarded by them telling you, oh, you're good at maths, you can get a scholarship or you're good at writing, but that was it. It was writing or math or, or computer science, and that's it. You were never rewarded for being creative or sporty or anything else. And it's it almost makes you feel like whole life has three different categories. And unless you fit in one of those, you're not good enough or you know there is no progression for you. Yeah. Um, and, and it's such a strange thing looking back to just think someone tested me and decided I'm good at maths. And five years later, my mom said, I'm, you know, wasting my potential because I'm not doing maths. <laughs> it's, it's almost like brainwashing in a sense. It's a very strange thing to think about as an adult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how it, it never used to be encouraged to be creative or um, not sure what's, what is it today but i i assume nothing has changed that much in bulgaria anyway right. I'm, I'm talking Bulgaria. well i used to be a guitar teacher at one point in my career and as a what's called a peripatetic music teacher these teachers that go around to different schools and take on children to learn an instrument the teachers that taught all the other instruments like the brass instruments the woodwind instruments the violin they would 
get children that were interested and give them like a one-off lesson and decide in that moment who they thought showed a bit of aptitude for that instrument and then only they would make the cut but as a guitar teacher as someone that was just self-taught and just did it because i had a love of the music i came in with a very different attitude and i basically said if the child wants to learn then i want to teach them and i was happy to take on large groups of children just because i wanted to give them the opportunity and it was it was sort of stood out at the time because it was very different to to how other teachers were doing it and i'm i'm a full classroom teacher these days and i see the parapetetic teachers and they're still doing things in this sort of very old school way of they'll give them a little test and they'll see who might show a little bit of a flair for it but i just think that's that's a bit harsh on on those that might not instantly get it but with a bit of practice and a bit of effort absolutely and how very sad it is because i genuinely feel that especially like people like me i'm in my i'm 35 so looking back sometimes i do regret not being a little bit more um finding people who would support that creative part of me because i feel my life would have been so much more enriched by the people i meet i mean you meet some incredible people and they just celebrate their uniqueness. And I think when we celebrate uniqueness, you celebrate humanity in a sense, don't you? Yeah. Um, and it's such a unique way of meeting people. Uh, I'm so sick of half naked people on Instagram promoting <laughs> pills and whatever. It's just, I mean, <laughs> there are only so many posts you can see. And then you kind of crave that um, authenticity in people. And I think that's where improv really, um, you know, really helps me every week to just for two hours to just be my authentic self in a safe space with people who want the same, I think. Yeah. And I think that is one of the great things about improv. It is that authenticity. It's being real in the moment. And it, it's just going in there with no sort of, no preconceived i'm going to do this i'm going to do that it's literally just be there in the moment and be in a scene supporting someone and creating something magical okay so ian if you hit to point one person in your life who has always supported that creative side of you uh who would you pick oh one person that's always supported my creativity um i think i am quite fortunate that I've always been surrounded by people that support my creativity. No one's ever really said, don't do that. I think, you know, my, my parents have always supported my endeavors, whatever. I think when I was younger, my mom really wanted me to go to university and I didn't go straight to university. I knew from a young age that university wasn't for me at the time. And I left school after my GCSEs and I went to a sixth form college and I studied performing arts and I fell into the music scene quite big for a while and I was trying to make it big with my band and it was never discouraged. I was just, I had jobs that were helping me fund sort of the, the band and my, my I, I guess my mom in particular always had my back and it led me to teaching weirdly so she ended up getting what she wanted because i did go to university but i did it all whilst working and it was my music that got me into schools which led me to where i am today so i guess uh yeah my mum could easily have, have, have put her foot down at a young age and said no you will i demand that you go to university and things but she knew that with me i always get where I need to go eventually. I, I'm not the sort of person that needs to rush. <laughs> you know, Ian, I shared with one of my friends who still lives in Bulgaria. Uh, I don't normally talk about me taking part in improv, mainly because it's in, in English, so they can't take part because they right. don't speak English. But I mentioned that and she said, isn't that one of the things that privileged people do? Ooh. And I think what she meant was, when you have a hard life, um, you focus on your your priorities are 
get a job, food on the table, look after your children. But when you live in a society where, you know, life is not as strict and maybe, you know, you can go to work and life is easy, um, you actually have space, mental space. And I'll give you an example. The difference between me and some of my friends, when I, when I graduated from high school, uh, secondary school, <laughs> uh, when, I, when I finished that, I had to get a job. I had to start look after myself save money for university and all that. And some of my friends who are actually much better off, um, they get they got support, financial support from their family so they could explore the world and they went to exhibitions, they went traveling, uh, some of them joined drama school because they didn't have that pressure, financial pressure of having to have a job and look after themselves. And I think that's what she meant. When your priorities in life are to just look after yourself and when you compare yourself to someone else, you're thinking, you know what, maybe it's just a privileged thing because their priority is not putting foot on the table. Their priority is actually enjoying life and feeding that creativity, which I thought was a very interesting way of looking into the way people are and who takes part into these things. Yeah, that is an interesting Yeah, I have a question for you. Okay. Which just crossed my mind. So what would make someone for you stand out as a creative, as a creative person? What would you first notice about someone who is creative? The thing for me, and I, I can't put it into words exactly, but people always talk about having it and having the X factor. And like we have the show, the X factor, and most people on that don't actually have the X factor. They just wish they did. Um, but some people just draw you in for whatever it is. Um, and I, I talk about classic examples all the time, like Freddie Mercury, he had it. Didn't matter what he was doing, you were going to watch him. Michael Jackson had it. And the thing about Michael Jackson was, Michael Jackson was obviously an, an incredible dancer, but he was always surrounded in his videos and things by incredible dancers. But you're still watching him because there's something about him. And I think in improv in particular, people catch my eye. If I love humor. I sort of value humor a lot. And, and if people, I think, oh, yeah, they're on my wavelength, they got good humor, then they are going to draw me in. But just, I think, yeah, coming back to being authentic, people that aren't tryhards, they're just naturally doing what they're doing and they're catching my attention. I think that's, that's what I look for. That, that's what really makes me tick, I think. Strange uh, way to describe how some people affect us just by being who they are. Um, yesterday I went out and I met this girl, and just by the way she was talking, her whole being, her aura, and I'm thinking, I can listen to you for ages. And and also they say humor it can be fueled by intelligence, and I never understood that. But now, when I think about it, being able to be very quick and coming with replies does come with maybe sometimes um, understanding people, understanding the way they speak, how they relate to the world. So you can, you can kind of respond in a way that draws them in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a skill, isn't it? Do you think communicating effectively is a skill, something you can learn? Oh, massively. And in fact, it's something I try to do with my classes. So I think when you have a class, you've got about 30 children in a class, you are naturally going to be on a similar wavelength to some and on a very different wavelength to others. And the ones that you're on a similar wavelength to, you can be a bit more jokey with those children. And there's certain things you can say to some children that other children would be like deeply offended by because they don't understand it. And I will talk to my class about this and because I don't want children to think, oh, sir has favorites because he's jokey with them. I'll explain, I'll say certain things to certain people because I know that that person 
can take what I'm saying and they can give it back and, and there's a bit of banter. And I always try to reach a point by the end of the year that I can have that banter with my whole class because I think there's there's bullying. I'm saying this with inverted commas because you know bullying is a very serious thing, but what some children consider bullying is is very easily avoided by quick wit. So I try my best to get the children to a point where they've got a witty retort to anything that's said to them, because then if there is anyone that wants to tear them down in sort of any bullying fashion, they'll move on to someone else because, oh, they have got no power over that person because whatever they've said, it's bounced straight back. And I think that kind of intelligence is what shuts down bullying. Oh, do you know, I can, I can relate and I can actually, while you were speaking, I had these visions of similar situations when I was in school. And I think the difference between, I mean, obviously everyone is different, but I think the difference between communication styles really is the difference between sometimes an argument and finding common ground. And um, Ian, why do you think do you first of all let me ask you i've never been to school in the uk do you have any classes where you intentionally teach children how to speak how to communicate how to uh, start a conversation how to behave in society do you have like anything dedicated to that kind of area of life we have certain things like that yes and there's something that i do with children um and i do it quite early on when I get a new class and I get them to stand in a circle and just pass a compliment around. And you literally, you have to look at the person next to you in the eye and you have to say something that you like about them. And then that person has to look back into the eyes of the person speaking to them and say, thank you very much. And every time I do it, there's always other members of staff with me and they're always fascinated because as adults, not only do adults not give compliments sort of just naturally without overthinking it, people aren't very good at receiving compliments. And I'm the sort of person, I don't go around complimenting people all the time, but if I like something, I'm just very genuine. And I'll say to someone, I like their dress. I'll say to someone, I like their the way their hair is or something like that. And I've had, uh, sort of instances in the past where people have thought that I was sort of coming onto them or something like that because I said I happened to like something about them or lots of times I'll say to people oh I like that dress and they'll be like oh this old thing and it could be the first time they're ever wearing it it's brand new but they for some reason they struggle with accepting that compliment so I think little things like that are really important skills. I think I, I also think our society is shaping us in many different ways. For me personally, if I receive a compliment, uh, which is not very often, but if I do, um, and, and you accept the compliment, let's say, you know, it's a beautiful dress and you say, thank you. I can guarantee you five out of 10 of my friends would say, oh, isn't she a bit full of it? Check her out now. <laughs> and almost like it's not, I mean, but then what do you say? And um, and to be honest, Ian, I think improv, uh, improv and humor, in many ways, really help me in in difficult situations because by knowing what to say and how to lighten the mood, sometimes you can steer the conversation in a different direction, and that really helps even in business a lot. Um, and I found that knowing how to navigate conversations and how to relate to people um, can get you, you know, so far. And it could be the difference between an argument and finding common ground. But I've never been told that. We don't have that in schools. Um, and, you know, and you end up thinking, sometimes you speak to some people and I think in the UK you would call them which I love, and it translates very wrong in Bulgarian. You call them hard work. <laughs> and you speak to some people who are, you know, depicted as hard work. Um, and so, and you're just thinking, these are wonderful people, I know they are, but just by not knowing how to respond or how to, how to show who they are, they're instantly perceived as less likable or less 
you know, extroverted, which is not the case. Um, but yeah. Yeah, um, well, some people um, will sometimes get the wrong idea of me because um, a good example is if I go out with friends and we're going out to a club or whatever, I love to dance. I like massively love to dance and I think I'm a relatively good dancer. I, I've been teaching dance and things to children for a long, long time. I've got rhythm. I know how to move. Some people see a guy dancing on the dance floor and first of all, they'll assume I'm drunk and then they find out I don't drink. Then they'll be like, well, what's he on? And then they find out I don't take drugs. So then they, they just don't know what to make of this person. Um, so then lots of wrong assumptions will be made of me. Whereas I'm just a person that's quite comfortable to just get on the dance floor and enjoy myself. And some people find that weirdly threatening. Oh, how is that person so comfortable that they're just going to get up and do that? And I think that's a bit weird. Do you know, again, this is our society, isn't it? It's very, it's very odd. And you know, Ian, if I was in that situation, I would be the second person on the dance floor, probably <laughs> joining you. <laughs> like, come on, everybody, what's happening? But, um, and I do initiate sometimes things, but I have the added complexity of navigating communication in a different society. So I grew up in a communism, moving into socialism, and then democracy, and coming into a country where everything is just so easily expressed. Um, so Ian, let me ask you a question, um, and you don't have to answer, by the way, but it's an interesting it's a it's a question I asked my mom as well. Okay. As a primary school teacher, do you sometimes feel aware of discussing topics that are quite controversial in society? How do you handle Ooh, yeah, these I, topics? I, I am very aware of my role in the children's life. And I'm very aware that most of the children have got opinions that aren't actually their opinions. They're the opinions of their parents. Sometimes I'll hear the children talk about politics or things that have been on the news and I'll hear what they're saying. And I'm like, that can't possibly be their thoughts. They've clearly just heard that from their parents and they think that they have an opinion, but they don't. And I don't want to influence them in a way. So I'll, I'll often be very careful about what I say because I think it's important that they discuss world issues and I, I make them watch the news every day and they, well, they enjoy watching the news. We watch something called News Round, which is a children's news show. We watch it every day before we start our day. And often it will lead to discussions about uh, various topics that's been covered on the news show. And there's been a few things in recent years that have really caused lots of sort of debate in the class. And if there is something that I feel strongly about. I will always make sure that if I'm giving them my opinion, that I tell them, this is my opinion. And this is why this is my opinion. You don't have to share my opinion, but I want you to understand that just because this is my opinion, it doesn't have to be your opinion. Because I think it's very important that they don't just say, oh, Mr. Jones said this, so we must think this because they must understand that if they're going to have a strong opinion, they must be able to understand and explain where where that opinion comes from, I think. It's so amazing how I think we should always encourage not only children, but people to challenge opinions and challenge the way they think, even their own thoughts. I challenge my thoughts all the time. And sometimes, you know, it's me against me, <laughs> not <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where I, if, if you, let me ask you, when you were in, in primary school, since your mom was a primary school teacher, what was your favorite subject? Hmm. I think when I was young, now I didn't have a normal childhood in certain respects because I was quite visually impaired as a child. I was born with uh, a version of cataracts and I couldn't really see properly for well, until I was an adult, really. I've got false lenses stitched into my eyes now, had the cataracts fixed, it's all good. But as a child, um, I enjoyed I enjoyed drama and I enjoyed music and basically anything that meant I wasn't having to sit 
and try and struggle to look at a board or try and struggle to look into a book, anything that I could just experience rather than just sort of sit and write about. That's what I enjoyed. So it's interesting because with me, I'm sometimes good at things I don't enjoy. Um, and most recently I joined this uh, club um, and it's almost like a course. It's in philosophy. And I've heard something that really resonated with me. Um, so they say, well, if you are kind of, if you try to, get better at things that you're already good at, you're missing an opportunity to expose yourself to different ideas. Mm. And I'm just thinking how wrong we've always been when we try to find out what we're good at. Um, and so I started to explore different things and I found out that I'm actually really good at things I don't enjoy because I have this internal struggle thinking, for example, I'm not good at history. I don't enjoy history, but I try to learn it so hard because I'm thinking I'm going to fail history, for example. <laughs> um, and in many ways, now that I'm a bit older, I spot these trends in my behavior. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to try something new, uh, which I always try something new. Every month I challenge myself to do something. And, you know, sometimes it's a disaster. <laughs> I've ended up in a hospital once. Oh, um, oh dear. So how do you challenge yourself? How do you challenge? Do you have your own ways to challenge your creativity? I love how this has turned into you interviewing me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, well, I'm a primary school teacher. Every day is a challenge. There is not one day, <laughs> there is not one day that is the same. Um, so my biggest challenge is finding enough time for myself to enjoy the things that I like, like improv. Um, but I think improv ticks a lot of those boxes because improv always challenges me in ways I'm not expecting. And it, it, it means I can be creative. It means I can cooperate with others. It means I can work with people that I wouldn't necessarily choose to work with because sometimes you're in scenes with people and you're on completely different wavelengths and you still have to make it work. So I think improv actually, um, helps me sort of challenge myself regularly, but just challenging myself to, to find new opportunities like this podcast, for example, when this podcast came along, this is a challenge. The challenge for me last year was to start it and then to make a success of it and keep it going and get a new episode out every week for the year, which I, I, I manage and I hope to continue to do that this year. Amazing. I mean, to be honest, this was one of my biggest challenges as well, because everyone who knows me, like really knows me, they know my biggest insecurity, which is my voice. Okay. Oh my God, Ian, I have stories. So my dad's voice is very deep, but like low and deep and husky. So if you enter a room and he's talking, you will hear him. It's that kind of metallic low voice. Okay. And my mom, my mom's voice is so soft. I'm not gonna lie, it's on, on the annoying side. I never get angry kind of voice. And so, <laughs> and so with me, while I was growing up, when I was a teenager, my voice became so deep. I mean, my goodness, I remember once they came and one of the boys didn't show for the choir. <laughs> and instead of choosing another boy, they came to me and they said, you know, Tanya, do you want to join? And, you know, I was like, okay. <laughs> and my voice was so deep. I remember people used to call my dad in the office and I would pick up the phone and they would say, is this his son? And I'm like, no, his daughter. And after like the, the fifth time, I'm like, yeah, it's his son. <laughs> and so uh, I've always kind of felt that my voice is a the type of not very feminine voice. Um, and so this is my challenge of the month uh, to actually... Um, hear my own voice. <laughs> well, I think it. it's a very common thing for people to not like their voice. Um, I would say nine out of 10 people that I meet would say that they hate the sound of their voice. Whereas I, I like the sound of my voice, but I've been in situations since I was a child where I'm hearing my voice a lot, you know, recording music for years and years and years, being on stage and hosting shows or doing music shows or being in like pantomimes and things like that, where you get to hear your voice 
anyway, back through speakers, I think people just need to get used to their voice because there was a point in my life where I hated hearing my voice, but then the more you hear it, it's just a case of getting used to it. And then it's like, oh yeah, that's my voice. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's, but the thing with me is, I love accents so much. I really do. But I sometimes feel like my accent is not necessarily so strong. But when I hear it recorded, I'm thinking, my goodness, how do people understand what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> really, really strong. And so sometimes I feel what I hear is not really, it's, it's very strange. I guess it's something like people kind of notice when they speak more than one language, but I'm not sure. Yeah, um, well, I love accents as well. And I'm quite pleased that I think my voice is quite generic. You don't hear my voice and say, oh, yes, he's definitely from this place. And it kind of leaves it open for me to be able to do different accents and different impressions, which I really love because often when I'm doing scenes, I will just throw in different voices. Are you good with voices like that? I mean, I mean, I know doing accents, like foreign accents, it's it's sometimes looked at a bit like something that you're making fun of, which is not for me. I'm not making fun of anyone. However, my friend who is Indian, he challenged me to learn. So he was trying to do my accent and he and I was doing his accent, but it was more to do with the way we use the sounds because he's Indian, he's using the very front of his mouth. Yeah. And I was born with a condition. Uh, it was a logopedic condition. And so I couldn't speak properly because my tongue would come out before my teeth. Oh. And so, yeah, I had to, for about a year, when I was about seven, I had to speak with closed mouth. And I had to pronounce everything with my tongue behind my teeth because they said if I don't create that habit of speaking properly, I would never speak properly. So they, they didn't even think I would speak in my own language, let alone three languages. <laughs> and so I kind of, he challenged me to learn Indian accent. And so um, I, I think I, I kind of perfected a little bit. Um, even he says, if I hear you on the phone, I would totally think that you are like an Indian person talking in English, which is weird because English is not my first language. So there you go. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, I think I perfected that little bit, which was hard. Um, what accent would be your kind of perfected accent? Um, for years, I would say the Dutch accent is my favorite to do. Um, but I, I love Dutch. the Dutch accent. I love to do the Dutch accent. Yeah, just use me doing a little bit of it now. I've not done it for a little while, so it may be a little a little uh, not so good as it normally is, but there's certain little things that you pick up when you're doing the actions. And uh, this one is like, a got a, a very sh, 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 something like that to it. And um, yeah, so that's my Dutch actions, which I like to do a little bit. Oh, you know, you oh Mr. George, Mr. George, that is very, very good. It is very, <laughs> very good. <laughs> um, we love to do a bit of the Irish as well. That's often a go-to accent of mine, the Irish accents I love. Um, and me being Welsh, oh, I know, sometimes I love to do a little bit of Welsh as well, innit? Down in the valleys like Tom Jones, innit? Oh my so. God, that is so amazing. It gives me this, it gives me like goosebumps just listening to it. I love it so much. I really and do. As this is the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast, I should probably say, all right, hey, calm down, mate. This is my Scouse <laughs> accent as well. Everyone's getting involved in the accents there. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. do you want me to tell you a fun story? So once we were in a pub, me and my friends, and we meet this group of guys, and and he speaks with, with a little Pudlian accent, and that's my first time to ever experience this <laughs> accent. So I say, where are you from? And he says to me, well, not as far away as you're from. <laughs> and I said, well, no, it sounds like you're from a further away from me. He said, I'm from Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> and I honestly thought that that was a foreign accent because to me it was just so like different from anything else I've heard, um, and I really enjoyed it. I really <laughs> no, I've just said oh, next time. time yeah, just, next time, please perfect my favorite one: a very curt Scottish, like <sighs> a 
No, the Scottish accent, eh? You want me to be doing that, lassie? <laughs> okay, I'm giving you a piece of my heart right now. I love it so much. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> now, I've just seen the time there. We're going to start to bring this to a close. Um, but before we go, there's something I need to ask you. So whenever okay. I see you improvise, you're actually improvise, uh, doing this interview from a different room to what you normally improvise in. So you normally improvise in your what I'm assuming is your bedroom. Yeah. And your bedroom is so pristinely looked after. It looks like it's a filter in the background. Is it always that clean or do you just do it specifically that clean for when you're going to do improv? Well, it's it's always this clean because it's my morning ritual. I wake up and I do my bed. <laughs> and so it's always that clean, but also I live on my own. I don't have children or pets. And if someone comes and it's messy, I have no excuse. <laughs> so I'm like, it needs to be clean because I, I have no excuse. <laughs> so yeah, it's always like that. And thank you. Yeah, I love interior design. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, it always stands out as like, wow, that is an impressive backdrop. Oh, I've, I've never thought of it like that. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, so just before we do finish, uh, is there anything you want to advertise? Do you want to advertise yourself on social media or anything so other improvisers can connect with you? If other improvisers who enjoy this podcast want to have the imponderable joy having a scene with me they should join on wednesdays 7 p.m <laughs> get your ticket join the club <laughs> there we go <laughs> thank you Ian. so thank you very much tanya that was an excellent chat i really enjoyed it i did as well thank you well, thank you very much to Tanya. That was an excellent chat. It's one of those situations where, you know, I didn't really know that much about Tanya before this chat. I knew that she was very funny. I'd encountered it in some improv sessions. And one of the things I love about this show is just getting an opportunity to actually get to know the people that I'm improvising with. Because often it's just, you're in these sessions, you're having a great time, and then it's like, right, see you next week. And then next week it's the same. Yes, you're going to be having fun. And then it's just a case of see you next week. But for me to just take the time and you know get to know these people that I'm improvising with all the time and give you, the listener, an opportunity to uh, discover all about them at the same time that's what I really love about the show and I didn't know what we were going to talk about because I never go into these um, interviews with sort of preconceived ideas of what I want it to be it's very much just feeling it out and the word authentic was mentioned quite a few times in that chat and I think that was a very authentic chat and I like that Tanya flipped it around quite a few times and she's asking me about things and because you know it's it's a show where when you're on, you are the guest and it's for you to make of this experience what you want. And Tanya really enjoyed flipping it around and asking me questions. And if you ever come on the show, then feel free to do that because that's what I really love. She's got a great story to tell and it was an absolute pleasure to have this opportunity to talk with her and get to know about it. And now I'm excited to encounter her again in future LCI sessions and create some more uh, comedy gold, some great scenes. And when I do this podcast as well, sometimes I, I fit it into my schedule and I'm very tight for time or the other person's very tight for time and sort of the interview ends and we have to sort of say our goodbyes quite quickly. And sometimes I've got a bit of time spare after, they've got a bit of time spare after and we're not finished talking. And often is the case that I will spend um, perhaps as much time talking to people once the interview is done that I do actually doing the interview you know just because the uh, record button um, ended the official interview doesn't mean that the conversation has to end and that's another thing I love about this show just the the things I get to know about people all the extra bits um, once their record button has ended the actual interview and people still are in the mood for talk and it's, it's just really really excites me that people are just so willing to just just be so open and honest so i really thank tanya for another great chat and as i have said many times maybe this could be you 
if you want to come on the show, then I would be more than happy to have you on. Have you improvised at Liverpool Comedy Improv before? Perhaps you've never improvised at LCI, but you're a regular listener to the show. Um, drop me an email or contact me on Facebook, social media. Uh, however, contact Emma and say, hey, I, I, I don't do the improv, but I love listening to the show or I love going to watch the improv. I'd love to, to get you on as a guest. That would be good. Or if you are a regular improviser and someone that's been on the show or someone that regularly improvises at LCI and you've got a great idea for a topic for us to talk about, then let us know because we're always looking for new ideas to keep the show moving forward, to keep some some fresh ideas going. So if you think that you've got a great topic, just let us know because we will happily make it happen. And now if you're interested in getting into improv or are already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene, then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Live Comedy Improv. This show has a Facebook page. Just search on Facebook for the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast and you'll find all that you need to know about the show there. We post links to new episodes every Monday when they drop and we post a trailer every Thursday for the show that is going to be coming up on the Monday. And there's links to wherever you want to listen to the show on there. So, uh, yeah, that would be... A great place to find out all things Liverpool Comedy Improvcast. Now, I've already alluded to this, but if you are a member of the LCI community and you'd like to be a guest on the show, then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we'll make the arrangements as soon as possible. If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, then please uh, give us a five-star review and just uh, do anything you can to spread the word so there are, i think there are some other things like spotify now as well where they let you do um five star ratings and and reviews so wherever you listen if you can give us a five star rating give us a review and then help to share the show that would be awesome the show is continuing to go from strength to strength in terms of listener numbers but if you can help us just gain a little bit more traction then that would be very much appreciated you can find me on social media if you want to connect with me in any way, shape or form. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. You just need to search for Ian Luke Jones or at Ian Luke Jones, depending on what the platform is. My YouTube is full of all sorts of random content. I am currently putting out a humorous moment video every Wednesday. It's just a short, silly joke to help put a smile on your face on hump day on that Wednesday to help try and get you over the midweek hump. I've got lots of improv on there and music things on there and just generally me um, being me on camera. So if you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, that would be very much appreciated as well. Well, there we go. It's been another fantastic interview. It's been a pleasure as always to bring this show to you. But before I go, here are some words that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv... And yes, and...